Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1250 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the podcast, making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode will be myself and Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. Ricky is kind enough to join me today for the second time or third time, I think, on the podcast in the last couple of years. But he's an NBA draft analyst as well as an NBA analyst, college basketball across the board, all-around good guy. And we talked uh, about a lot of different stuff about the NBA draft. As a note, we recorded this about a week ago. As I said a couple times on the podcast recently, I've been pretty slammed this two-week period with my day job and other kinds of stuff like that. So uh, keep that in mind. Only one thing to clean up here at the top of the show. We talked about Georgia prospects later on, guys who are from the local area. And I kind of just blanked on Jabari Smith being from outside of Atlanta. So keep that in mind. Uh, Walker Kessler also is a local product, but I want to at least say that out loud. I do know that. I just kind of had to blank uh, on the podcast today. But all that said, we have uh, a full slate of offerings on the podcast feed in recent days. Kevin Shinar joined me last week for sort of a State of the Hawks discussion. Glenn Willis has been joining me for a while now on all kinds of player capsules, including the most recent one this week with DeLon Wright and Lou Williams, as well as John Collins and Dodo Gallinari, et cetera, et cetera. We talked about a lot of different guys on that. Glenn is brilliant, so keep keep those certainly in the, in the rotation of the podcast listening. Andrew Kelly recently as well on fake trades and NBA draft stuff, et cetera. And we'll have more to come on the draft as we're now into June as you're listening or watching this podcast ramping up all the way in the next three weeks or so until the NBA draft and plenty of coverage after that. So please keep it locked to this feed. Please subscribe to the podcast. And after a short break to hear the intro of the podcast, we'll be back with myself and Ricky O'Donnell on the NBA draft. You are locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. I am joined now by a real live NBA draft expert. His name is Ricky O'Donnell. Welcome back to the podcast. You joined me, I think, last year, maybe two years ago, one of those things. But Ricky, how are you, sir, on this fine uh, midday midday extravaganza that we're doing here? I'm good. I'm, I'm not even sure if I really want to be an expert, just a guy who <laughs> the draft. Obviously doing this for as long as I've been doing it. I think I've been covering the draft since the 2014 class. Uh, lots of hits, lots of misses on my resume. So if I've learned anything, I think, in my time covering the draft, it's just humility. Uh, you can try yeah. to know the prospects as well as you can, but it's a tricky thing, man, to try to project how these guys are going to be able to translate to the NBA. It really is. And, uh, you know, I, I dabble in draft stuff for, for Dime, and I think uh, – no matter what, everyone has misses in the draft. That's something you have to learn right away if you're trying to do this. Is like you're always wrong. Uh, almost everybody's always wrong. Um, the ones that you miss, I, I'm not sure if that's how you think about it, but for me, it's like the guys that I was wrong about, I remember a lot more than the guys I was right about generally. Totally. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, it's a, it's an interesting class in a lot of ways. The Hawks kind of in the mid-first mid round range, 16, uh, is an interesting spot to be in. But I want to kind of start broad and ask you about your view of this class overall because, you know, you know, consensus now as people start to find this draft late that have not been looking at it for a year like some of us have been, uh, there's that top three, top four group that kind of stands out for most people um, and then sort of a flat basis beyond that. Uh, do you kind of agree with that general consensus or are you someone that has a different order? Like, how, how do you feel about this uh, about this group overall? Yeah, I'd say it's a pretty solid draft class, not a spectacular draft class. Usually, I feel like the main way people evaluate a draft class is if there's a prospect at the top of the class who's such a no-brainer, nobody could possibly screw it up, 
a prospect the level of Zion Williamson, uh, in my view, a prospect the level of Luka Doncic. I was not unique in having that. A lot of people thought he was clearly the best player in that class. Uh, and this class doesn't have a guy like that. To me, there's four very good prospects in this class. Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Jaden Ivey. I can see any of those guys becoming the best player in this class five or ten years from now. I also think it's possible that all of them are best suited to probably be like the second best player on a good team rather than like the go-to star. Uh, so because of that, I think that those four guys are still really talented, but maybe just not in that like truly elite tiers prospects. And then the second part of this draft is where I think it gets a little bit more questionable. Let's say five through 14. I have some guys in that range. I like more than others, but it, doesn't have a ton of guys in that range that I think have significant upside. It's more sort of a collection of guys who are going to be complementary players at the NBA level, at least in my opinion. So I think it's a good class and I do really like the top four after that. I think it gets pretty dicey uh, and, you know, feel bad for the Pistons I'm just <laughs> class because it's uh, well, we'll see what the Kings do in front of them. The Kings might gift wrap them, you know, one of the top four players, but I think that that's where there's a, a real drop off. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the consensus for the most part, but it's also uh, true in my mind. And um, I, I have found in talking to a bunch of people like us and people around the league that uh, there are a lot of different prospects that are listed at number five on people's boards. Like that's a pretty open race for that number five spot. And obviously there are different orders for the top four. Um, you know, you could find Jade Ivey number one people. You can find Paulo Bancaro number one people. And then it seemed like at least it, at least it was framed as much around the lottery itself that was almost like this two-man race in some respects i'm not sure if you watched the lottery coverage but it was a lot of chet versus jabari stuff and i was like well paulo's still there and Jaden ivy's kind of just kind of close by too um do you have a consensus i mean i know you just said there was not like a standout guy but if uh, i guess so just put yourself in the shoes of, uh, of of orlando or maybe just a fictional team number one do you have a favorite guy in this in this class yeah, Paolo has been my number one from the start of the cycle. Every year I publish a board the day after the draft. <laughs> and when I did that this year, Paolo was number one. He maintained that status the entire year. Yeah. Uh, and I just didn't see enough from anyone else to move him down. Now, on that initial board, Chad Holmgren was number two. He's still number two on my uh, final board. I think Jabari was seven. I would put him, I think I'd put him four and I'd put Jaden Ivey three. Uh, so yeah, if I, I wrote a piece on this for espionation.com that the magic should take Paolo Bancaro, I feel like he's both the best available talent and the best fit for what they need, which is really a shock creator, at least in my opinion. And I think that, you know, at 6'10, 250 pounds, Bancaro has some pretty unique shot creation ability, both as a ball handler, live dribble passer, has a lot of different avenues towards scoring, can do it in the post, has a good mid-range package, uh, good driver. And, you know, some pull-up shooting potential. So, to me, Boncaro should be the number one overall pick. Now, it sounds like he's going to go third. Uh, the buzz is that Jabari Smith is going to go first. Chet's going to go number two to Oklahoma City. I think that makes a lot of sense for the Thunder. And then, potentially, we're looking at Paolo and Jalen Green being paired together with the Rockets. So, uh, that's the latest buzz. But I've always thought Paolo is the best player in the class. 
Yeah, I think you, you can feel pretty good. Uh, even if he doesn't go number one, feel pretty good about having that a year ahead of time, having Paolo number one. That was, that, that's, that's aged very well, I would say, at this point. And I do think that, you know, occasionally you'll be able to find somebody that thinks that Orlando might take Chet, but it, I've not heard anybody that thinks Orlando's going to take Paolo. So that'll be interesting to see. I don't, I, I kind of don't blame you. I think he would be a pretty good fit there. Um, but Orlando's notoriously kind of just weird with the way they do things. Uh, it's kind of a strange uh, team building exercise a lot of the way through. Uh, I promise we're going to get to some Hawk stuff, but um, this is a tangentially Hawks related question because um, there's a, you, you would have no reason to know this Ricky, but there's this pet uh, theory or uh, idea from Hawks fans that want to uh, somehow trade up to get Jaden Ivy to pair with Trey young. Um, and they, because they have the ability to do that, they, they have John Collins. They could trade to Sacramento, especially because there's a reporting around the Kings that they want to move out and get a more established piece. Obviously that's a very hypothetical thing. Um, but let's just say for broad, for broadness sake, do you think Jaden Ivey would be good to pair with someone like Trey Young, or, is, or do you do you view Jaden Ivey as more of like a more of a dominant, you know, pr- like a primary point guard type? Because there's kind of a split there I found between people. It's like, is he more of a combo, more of a two, or is he more of that on ball guy for you? Yeah, I had not heard that rumor. Moving Collins, it's not it's not even a rumor, really. It's just one of those fun. It's one of those fun team things. I know you, I know you're a Bulls fan. You probably hear that stuff all the time. Sure. <laughs> uh, my initial reaction is, yeah, I love that for Atlanta. Because there really- you go. Now, how does he fit with Trey? So I think that's the big question for Ivy is like his defense. Uh, I was a bit surprised to see that the consensus on his defense was apparently so low. Obviously, Purdue had a very poor team defense last year. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I believe like Purdue for the majority of the year, they were like the number one offense and like the number yeah. one defense. Or it was not good. It was not good for most of the season. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And Ivy, I think, certainly has some issues on that end in terms of his technique. Uh, maybe a little bit of effort, too. That occasionally happens when you're the offensive superstar carrying a pretty big scoring burden like he was for them this year. But to me, he should be a pretty good defender because he has very good tools. And I think that in general, while a lot of people try to frame defense as like strictly an effort thing, like really to be a good defender, you just have to be like, big, long, fast. You also have to be smart, disciplined. You have to have technique. But someone like Trey Young, for example, it's like even if he maxed out his technique, his effort, all these things, there is just a certain ceiling to how good Trey Young could be defensively because he doesn't have very good defensive tools. He's too small. He's too weak. He just doesn't have the things you need to be good at defense. I think Ivy has that stuff. You know, I think he's what I, I don't have the exact measurements in front of me, but like six five and six ten wingspan, I think is about what he is. He didn't measure at the combine. If yes, I'm it's it's in that range. So, I mean, you see him listed between like six four and six five, six nine, six ten. With he definitely has good enough size for sure. Well, he's pretty big. You know, you want a big guard next to Trey. I think that makes sense. He's not very strong, but he could probably get strong as he gets older. Like I think he has a frame to put on muscle for sure, and. You know, you tell me how often Trey pressures the rim, but I would think just given Trey's outside shooting, you would probably like a rim pressure guard next to him. The oh, defense yeah. is probably the most important part next to Trey, I would think. But then I would want someone who could get to the rim. And Ivy is in a truly elite tier of being able to pressure the rim with his physical tools. Like he's going to be one of the fastest players in the league and one of the most explosive jumpers in the league around the basket from the time he enters uh, the NBA. 
So you just don't see people with like that burst. And I think that any team would be thrilled to have that type of prospect on their team. Uh, the defense is the big question mark. I tend to be more optimistic about his defense because he has recovery speed in terms of like being able to clean up for his errors and technique. And he has ability to just turn defense into offense, get into the passing lanes, pull off a pick six type of steal. So I think I'm a little higher on his defense than most are, but you know, how you evaluate his defense would ultimately be the answer to if he's a good pairing with Trey. We'll have more on the NBA draft in just a few seconds, but first, a word from our friends at Built Bar. We've been asking for a while, and Built has now delivered. Built Granola Bars are now here, and Built Granola Bars have three unbelievable flavors. They have chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate mary. If you want to try all three right now, you can mix box at Built.com right this second. And they're so different from Built Bars and Built Puffs because Built Granola Bars are loaded with granola. They have the perfect combination of chewiness and crunchiness, and just like bars and puffs, these, these bars have all kinds of protein, and they're covering 100% real chocolate. 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. Built granola bars will change your world, and they've cracked the code to a better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to take on the road and uh, maybe pack in your lunch or eat as a snack anywhere you want to. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body can absorb more efficiently. That provides all kinds of health benefits. You've been waiting for a while for a perfect granola bar, and this is the absolute best option that is available to you right now. Head to Built.com at this very moment to get all the built built granola bars that you want to. And again, the three delicious flavors are chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Do not miss out on this offer. You've got to get yours absolutely right now today. Go to Built.com and get all the built granola bars that you want to, as well as all the built bars and built puffs that you want, and use the promo code LOCK15 when you get there. One more time, that is promo code LOCK15, 50% off at Built.com. This will be a little bit of a uh, an interesting question because it's not. We'll move down the board in a minute, but do you have a guy that's not in the top four that you think has actual you know star power that you might say, look, he's at the end of the day in five years, he's the second best player in this draft. I know you mentioned there's not like a huge guy there, but you know, I will cop to still not being able to watch enough Shaden Sharp to really know he's kind of a, a popular pick for this that might have you know star upside outside the top four. Who do you think has the best chance to, when we look back at this class, be like, oh, maybe, maybe that guy should have gone third or something like that? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I've had A.J. Griffin, number five in this class, for a long time. He was higher than that preseason. I think I had him third on my preseason board. But his freshman year at Duke was not super impressive, in my opinion. Now, obviously, he has a great frame, and I think he's a lights-out shooter. He was like 45% from three as a freshman at Duke. The like shooting base can be a little funny, but I think he showed like good versatility. I think he's going to be a super high level shooter in the NBA. His defense is more of a question mark. And I think that ties back into the injury issues he's had since high school. He's had like multiple significant knee injuries and you wonder how the medicals are going to come out on him as he like starts to meet with teams to go through the process. I, I think someone like that should be able to defend because he's so strong and he's so big, but like, is he going to be able to get over screens? Does he have, you know, the body flexibility to be able to move uh, east and west? And then offensively, just like not much driving ability. He really was more of a shooter. And, you know, he's going to have to get back to his pre-college sample where he was a super explosive athlete on both ends of the floor and was able to like show off better driving ability. So I don't totally have an answer for this, but I think I would go AJ. And then I think the second tier of this draft, I'd go Paulo, Chet, Jabari, uh, Ivy, or, you know, Ivy third, probably. And then I would say the next tier is AJ Griffin, uh, Jalen Duran, and Shaden Sharp. 
just because those guys have the mix of like super young, good pedigrees, great athletic tools. Like they just have the youth and the tools, in my opinion, to become potentially star level players. So one of those three would be the answer. <laughs> no, I get it. No conviction in my draft takes, but you know, it's tough. I think, you know, it really falls off after number four. And it's a great question to ask. I'm going to say either Duran Griffin or Sharp. And I guess to this point, I've been riding with Griffin at number five. So until I officially move off, <laughs> I guess it's got to be him. Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of with you. It's not, there's not a clear answer for me on that one either. And, um, you know, just the lack of tape on Sharp makes it hard for people. Even if you're trying, even if you're super plugged in, like, like I know you are, like just if you're on the outside, he's, you know, he hasn't played at the highest level yet. And we just don't, you know, it's hard to scout that guy. And obviously the tools are what they are. And apparently, um, you know, everything that you hear and everything that I've seen briefly on tape is good, but we just don't know a ton about him yet. Um, it's interesting because Duran's a guy that I just will find myself talking about less on this show. Uh, obviously it's a Hawks podcast and the Hawks have Click Capella on Nyeke Kongwu. So there's like almost no path for Jalen Duran to end up with the Hawks. So it's like, I'm not going to talk about it a lot, but I kind of do like Jalen Duran. Uh you know, there's the whole center debate on how much you want to invest in a center. But I think once you get outside the top four in this class, it's like totally fine to just, even if you think he's not the highest ceiling guy, if you were to get, for instance, a, a high end starter anywhere in this draft at five or six, it won't be necessarily sexy, but uh, that's a pretty good outcome in a class like this when there's not a premium guy. Is that the way you think about it too? Because for me, I'm kind of always value floor more than a lot of people, uh, people do. You want to take swings for sure, but just uh, sort of philosophically, are you, are you sort of a, more of a ceiling guy or a floor guy, especially in that kind of mid first round range? Yeah, I would say probably a ceiling guy. Like, for example, so I think that Dern does have a high ceiling, though. He does, yeah. Beyond archetype. Like, I can, you can see the argument for, like, his upside being limited just by the archetype of center he is. Like, he's a center yeah. who can shoot. So, and he's, like, a tad short for a center as well. Obviously, he's very long. He's very strong. He has... Terrific physical tools, in addition to being, I think, the second youngest player in this draft class or the youngest American player. Yeah, he's still he's still 18, I believe, which is yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting like point of this debate, but like I would point more to Keegan Murray, where some people have Keegan Murray. I think Mike Schmitz, whose opinion I have so much respect for, I think he has Murray number four overall. Four. I saw that, yeah. To me, that seems totally insane. Now, Schmitz is way smarter than me. <laughs> His opinion should carry much more weight than mine. But to me, like, Murray's upside is pretty limited by his lack of athleticism. And you just, like, Ivy's going to immediately be, like, the most athletic player in the league, or one of them, from the second he's drafted. So uh, I think Murray is a good point in this debate. Like, Murray, I would say, is a high floor, for sure. Yep. I would not consider him at number five, because I don't think his ceiling's high. So in that question, do I value floor ceiling more? I would say ceiling. Now, obviously, I have like plenty of bad draft opinions <laughs> for ceiling guys. You know what I mean? Starting with like Perry Jones in 2011, probably. Oh, wow. Uh, ultimately, go for the ceiling. Yeah, no, I, I don't blame you at all. And Murray's interesting, too, because I think it's underplayed. He'll be 22 in August, too. Like, and I don't want to, it's not, it's not all about age, but like, he's not a young guy either. Like he's a very, uh, he's kind of in that DeAndre Hunter mold of a guy who's like sneaky old when they come out of the draft. And, um, 
I got, I'm not trying to, I'm not quite as ageist as some in the draft community, but it does matter to me that a guy will be 22 when he starts, when he starts his rookie, rookie camp. That's just pretty old. Yeah. Um, before we get to some Hawks guys, uh, I asked this question to everyone. You might've already answered it. So that's that I'll leave that to be possible, but, uh, who is your guy in this class? I'm not saying who's your, who's the best player. Do you have a guy that you just love anywhere in the draft? It could, it could be Paolo. It could be whoever. But I feel like most people end up having a guy or two that they just like really, really seem to like more than everybody else does. Uh, do you have one of those guys in this group? Yeah, it's a boring answer, but I would say Paolo. Just because I was surprised to see that a lot of the things I was reading, like a lot of people like had him fourth in this class or yeah. consensus third in this class. And I think, like, for sure he should be the number one pick uh, because he has the most potential to be a shot creator. And if you don't have a shot creator, that's pretty much the biggest need for every team uh, is the guy who is going to be initiating the offense, be a, you know, be able to blend scoring and passing at a high level uh, to really, like, be an offensive engine. And to me, I think Paolo uh, has the best chance to be that in this class. I've always been really impressed by his game, so – I understand like he has some athletic concerns too. Like he's an, by no means like a great run and jump athlete, but he's also 6'10, 250 and super skilled. So I would go Paolo is the best player in the class. And yeah, I would say he's my guy in this class. Yeah, I think that's appropriate when if, if a guy that is uh you know three or four flop people is your clear number one, I think that qualifies as uh him being him being your guy. We'll have more on the NBA draft momentarily, but first, they work from our friends at Bet Online. And Bet Online is the number one source for everything that you want in the betting space, including sports information. They have poker, they have the casino online, et cetera, et cetera. And you can follow all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, and all that kind of stuff, fights, even next season's NFL futures, college football futures, college basketball futures across the board. Futures bets are always open at Bet Online. And they have the continued sources for all of the wagering information that you want. They have live betting, they have esports, and much more. And they have all the sports that you want. And that includes, of course, as a small offering of what they have, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing. They have soccer, cricket, entertainment bets, any sport you can think of. And again, in addition to the poker, casino games, and more. Head to BetOnline right now today or your computer or mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world. BetOnline, where the game starts. I want to get to the Hawks guys now. So the Hawks pick at 16. Yeah. Um Ironically, you and I both mocked the same player to the Hawks in, the, in our first post-lottery mock drafts. That player is Ty Ty Washington. Not to, not to spoil it too much, but it's out there. It's been out there for a while. Um, not that it was like a lock for me to go ahead and do that. I'm not sure what your process is on, the, on mock drafts, but uh, it wasn't like that was a guy who was just screaming that he had to be mocked to the Hawks for me. But at the same time, uh, he checks one of the boxes that the Hawks are looking for, and that is uh, very clearly for the listeners, too. The Hawks are obviously looking for this offseason more shot creation, uh, more ball handling, and also more defense. Now, defensively, we can get into that if you want to. Not the greatest projection for him, but he's got he's pretty long, if nothing else. Um, I, I guess we'll just start there. What do you make of him as, a, as an archetype and also as a guy who might fit next to Trey Young because he is kind of a combo, but the length kind of makes it a little bit easier to deal with, I think. Yeah, part of the reason I put him there was because I think the Hawks could definitely use someone to take a little bit of the playmaking burden off Trey's shoulders. Now, I don't feel uh, like you. I don't feel like this would be an absolute home run for the Hawks. I think it would make some sense. He's someone in a group of players who all have, you know, strengths and weaknesses. But Ty Ty is interesting because, you know, I think he's a little small. I think he measured a quarter inch below 6'4 at the Combine. Uh, he's long, 6'8 wingspan, I believe. Maybe a tech, like, I think he was projected to be 6'9 even. So, yeah, look at him now. He measured 6'3 and three quarters and 6'8 wingspan. Yeah. 
So maybe a little bit disappointing on the measurement wise. And he's light. How, what was his weight? Was it sub 200 pounds? Yeah, 196. For yeah. So, you know, to me, I think the reason to take him would be because he can take some of the playmaking burden off Trey's shoulders. He should be able to score pretty well, I think. He has a very good mid-range game. Uh, you know, if those mid-range shots become pull-up mid-range shots become pull-up threes, I think that could be super beneficial for him. And I love a young guard having a good floater, and he's got a very good floater in this draft. So I think his stock was a little bit negatively affected, for sure negatively affected by the ankle injury he suffered towards the end of the season. But he's a he's a pretty talented guard who can provide some blend of scoring and playmaking. And really, this is the age of the combo guard in the NBA. <laughs> Between Jordan Poole, Tyrese Maxey, Tyler Hero, uh, a lot of young combo guards thriving uh, in today's game. So, you know, Ty Ty potentially fits that mold. Like, there is also the idea that Kentucky's had a lot of. I was going to ask you. I was about to ask you about, about the Kentucky guard thing. It's it's out there. I'm not sure it always. I mean, it, it can't always apply. But I mean, they've, had, they've been pretty good with that run recently. For sure. And uh, you know, you point to Tyler Hero, Maxi. I think you know also probably fits into that but yeah I, I think there's something to it i feel like calipari likes to have like a steady hand playmaking point guard versus just like putting the ball in the hands of his best guard like i think both maxi could have played a lot more on the ball tai tai played a decent amount on the ball but uh still like y- you could have seen them run the offense through him more than they did this year yeah so yeah i think tai tai would be a good pick but you know Honestly, there's probably like eight guys who could go to this pick to the Hawks right now. That's kind yeah. of why I see it. No, I was going to say, I know it's kind of wide open. I just I thought it was interesting that we, that we land on the same guy. Uh, I, my party line has been like, look, th- this could be 15 guys for me in terms of like who's available and where the Hawks evaluate. I'll I'll like more guys. I'll, I'll like fewer guys in that, at that spot, but there is going to be a very wide range if they stay there in terms of like, you know, sometimes a guy falls like last year. Jalen Johnson was not on my radar for the Hawks. I, th- I thought he was going to be gone by the time they picked at 20. That was a surprising yeah. fall. And they took the best player available in their minds. Um, that usually happens. Somebody usually falls. I don't know if that's going to be the guy this year they take or whatever. And then you get into like the guys who were projected in that range from, you know, Ochai Baji has been in, in their range a lot. Like you go more of a flyer with like Usman Jang, and then you go like Tari Eason. There's, there's lots of different, they're all very different players as well. Um, my personal favorite, just to tell you, is uh, would be like a scenario where Dyson Daniels falls. I love Dyson Daniels. I think he's gonna be gone though. But four sixteen, that's my problem at this point. But is that um, your guy in this draft? Probably in terms of this range, like I probably have a couple of guys, but he, I think he's on the list for sure. Uh, he he appeals to uh, he appeals to all the stuff that I like. Uh, he's uh, his defense is really fantastic, which is I'm a sucker for that. His he's got he's got the length. Um, shooting questions plays right into my mold of guys that I like. It's like, oh, just teach him how to shoot. It's fine. Um, no, I mean, I mean, is that a guy that you like too? It sounds like you might, you might enjoy his work. Yeah, Dyson Daniels rocks now. And I think like, you know, that would be great next to Trey too. Like to have yeah. a 6'9 guard who's super sick on defense, could check a wide variety of assignments, has tremendous physical tools in terms of like being able to take a wide variety of matchups. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be great next to Trey. But like you said, Probably the buzz of him is that he's going <laughs> to ten for yeah. sure. So, I think he should. I, I, that's where I have him. I have him like you know mid lottery kind of guy. I'm probably a little bit higher on him than than some. And really, aside from like Mark Williams, who the Hawks probably just can't take for roster reasons, yeah. everybody you see basically mocked from 
11 to 22 they could take. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know who's going to be there. Um, I guess beyond Ty Ty, is anybody kind of jump out to you in terms of what, um, you know, fit wise, you know, for me, people, I, I got a lot, a lot of questions about Tari Eason um, just for defense reasons. The Hawks of course need defense very badly and he has the defensive profile. So that's one example of a guy that I hear a lot about. Does anybody strike you as uh, interesting to the Hawks in particular um, in, in this range? Yeah. Eason or Sohan would both be pretty interesting bets. Uh, both, I kind of group them together because they're both sort of defense first, six, eight forwards. Uh, Eason is awesome to watch on tape because he's just so physical and so strong. He has these massive hands and he just rips the ball away from defenders and immediately pushes it in transition for a dunk. He dunks the hell out of the ball. He might have dunked more than any prospect in this class. I don't have the numbers to back that up, but that's my perception of him. He's <laughs> constantly dunking at LSU. He came off the bench, transferred from Cincinnati led the team in scoring. Uh, he is the type of player I often fall for in the draft. It's like 6'8 wings, 7'2 wingspan, big hands, tons of athletic ability. Like you can't teach that combination of size and athleticism. And he should be a really good defensive player. On offense, I have more questions. He has no offhand whatsoever. He's, he's strong going to his right, and he always wants to just basically push the ball down the floor and dunk it when he has a chance to, which – that's dope. I'm into the, a mindset like that. Uh, yeah. The shot, though, is more of a question mark because he hit 35% of his threes and 80% of his free throws, but it was on low volume in terms of the threes, and his release is just very long and slow, and it's hard for me to like think that this guy's going to be able to hit threes over NBA closeouts. And so the shooting is very obviously the swing factor for Tari and I would say. Also developing his left. But he's going to be able to compete physically at the NBA level and thrive based on his physicality at the NBA level from early in his career. So, yeah, that that's an interesting one because I think he would give Atlanta, you know, like, is Collins going to be on the team long term? We'll see. I mean, that it feels like he's been on, in, in rivers for trades for two years now straight yeah. and, I, and, it, and they do value him a lot. So they're not, and that's the thing, like they're not going to give him away, but he's also quite available. So um, yeah, I think he, he I mean, Easton's kind of an interesting bet. Like I assume you think he's a four primarily um, it's just because it's yeah. of the offense more than anything else. Yeah. I would say he's a four for sure, but. Uh, he can guard threes probably. I'm not sure he can I play think, three on offense. <laughs> I think he can absolutely guard threes. And then just like how the shooting really pans out i think is going to determine his offensive ceiling for sure um oh i don't even i don't know why this just to mind but uh, i know he's kind of up there uh he's kind of from up there where you were what's your patrick baldwin take these days uh, yeah. it obviously did not go well this year but where, where you got on pat baldwin as a, as a yeah. prospect it's funny you uh, asked me that because i was two minutes late for this podcast because i was working on a patrick baldwin profile perfect so. good timing I, I did not know that that was that was authentically unknown by me i did not know that so there you go yeah i was at the combine so I talked to him there and I actually interviewed him in November, right after the start of the college season, maybe like two weeks into the season. I was like, Oh, this guy's got an interesting story. I'm going to do a feature on him. Well, they were like coming off a loss. I forget what game it was. I need to look that up, but they were coming off a loss after I reached out to him. So like the season was already like starting to go bad. Yeah. And obviously it just unraveled into a nightmare year. He only played 11 games he went from a guy who was like a consensus top five high school recruit and projected top 10 
potentially top five pick in this draft to someone who might not even go in the first round anymore. I think he's one of the most interesting guys in this draft for sure, because he measured huge six, 10 and a half. And he has a reputation as an elite three point shooter. Now he only hit 27% of his threes in college uh, playing for a mid major that you would think hypothetically, this guy should have dominated instead. He had a horrible year in terms of his scoring efficiency and just his overall numbers. Uh, and you just wonder, like, what's more indicative of his true talent level? Is it his high school sample, where he was routinely considered arguably the top player in the class, ahead of or right with Bancaro, Holmgren, uh, Jaden Hardy would be another guy like that yeah. whose stock has kind of dropped? Or is the 11-game college sample more indicative of where he's at now because he still couldn't get healthy? This ankle injury that he suffered that caused him to miss his entire senior year of high school, ankle dislocation, his left ankle. Uh, you know, it it's what plagued his freshman year too. So like, is he going to be healthy? And then like, does he pass the minimum threshold for athleticism for a win? He just put in the fourth worst vertical jump, I think, in the history of the combine or something crazy. Like yep. Like he was barely ahead of Nikola Vucevic. And this is a 6'10", 7'1", wingspan, 230 pounds. Like, you just got to be able to move a little bit. He's not going to be a center, but he's going to be a big forward. So does he pass the minimum threshold for a win? So uh, it's fascinating. Like I mocked him to the Bulls in my mock, and a lot of people <laughs> like that, and I totally understand it. I think that the best version of Patrick Baldwin would have been a really good fit for them because they need some size and shooting, and Pat is very tall. And I think he should probably be able to shoot in the NBA, despite the fact that he only hit 27% of his threes in the Horizon League. Uh, he's one of the biggest mysteries in the draft, I would say. I want to believe in it, but to me, like, you got to see how, where he's at in workouts, and... Honestly, if I was his agent, I might have told him to play in the scrimmage if he felt like he was healthy enough to play. Now, he said he's not 100%, but he said he's much, much better than he was during the season health-wise. He told me that right now it's just about fine-tuning things. Hmm. Uh, but his athletic testing, it would be a good excuse for him to say that like, yeah. he's not healthy. That's why my athletic testing was so poor in addition to the bad vertical leaping he was also the second slowest three-quarter court sprint he was one of the lowest in the lane agility testing as well so he was near the bottom of like multiple categories but he's huge he should be <laughs> i mean like a player like cam johnson like a bigger cam johnson could be a comparison there uh Everyone ripped the Hawks when they took Cam Johnson, but like Cam Johnson, now that was a good pick, right? Like you always, oh yeah, wing depth, you always need shooting. So no, the, the the problem with Cam Johnson at the draft for the Suns was that he was so old, but like yeah. he it's working for them. Um, by the way, just a fun fact: while we're on the uh, Patrick Baldwin is huge thing, he and Kofi Coburn have the same standing reach. Wow, <laughs> Kofi Coburn is like a two hundred ninety pound center. Uh, so anyway, no, it's, uh, he's wild. I, I had a feeling you have at least a take on Pat Baldwin, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I'm not sure the Hawks are the best place for him, but also, uh, they could be, they could be patient with him in a way that a lot of teams maybe, maybe couldn't be. So, and, you know, the number one thing Pat Baldwin needs is a, to play next to a great shot creator. And there you who, go. who's better than Trey Young? And he Young. wouldn't, and he wouldn't play anyway. I mean, that's the thing. Like he could be, um, you kind of want him to redshirt almost because of how far away yeah. he seems to be. And yeah. the Hawks are a good spot to redshirt in that range if you had to go down that road. I'm not sure if they're going to do it or not, but it would be interesting. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, do you think Jalen Johnson is going to be in the rotation this next season or is it just like way too early to I, I think I, I think, I think he's probably going to be, at least they'll give him a chance in a way they didn't this year. I think that you just kind of have to, I got, I know, I know he was number 20 in the draft, but uh, he's, his pedigree is above that. And I think with Gallo maybe moving on, there's a pretty clear opening there. I know maybe Millen does not love rookies. Maybe they, uh, now that he's a second year player, it's just magically he's able to play now. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be what's what happens there, but no, I think he'll get a chance. I don't, maybe he plays himself out of it. Maybe the le- maybe the leash is too short on him, but I think he'll uh, he'll play in a way he didn't this year. I would expect for sure. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Talented guy. Um, I guess before we before I let you go and you give me a bunch of time, I appreciate it. Uh, is there any? This is kind of a bad way to end. So uh, maybe I'll do one more after this. Um, is there anybody that you often see mocked in the top twenty that you just don't get it at all with? Like, is there, is there a guy that you just don't see it whatsoever? And not not in a mean way. You're just kind of confused by the hype. Uh, well, some like Walker Kessler was in that range. I would say that he's like, falling now. It seems. Yeah, now he's starting to fall. But like even on some of these mocks, he's still in the top twenty-five. It seems like. Uh, I would not take him in that range just because I don't think he's going to give you like enough offense. I do think he's a pretty good defensive center, but just yeah. not in that range. Uh, so who would I not get it with in the top twenty-five? Very good question. You know, I'm lower on Egbaji. But I do think that he's potentially another decent fit for the Hawks because the yeah. real thing with him is like, where's his defense going to be? So he's like six five, six ten and a half wingspan. I believe that's what he's at. So he's like kind of big, but he's not gonna. He's like big enough to guard guards, but he's not like a huge wing stopper. He's not small forward size. Like yeah, he is. He is almost six six and six ten wingspan, but like you know, pretty skinny too. Not 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 super skinny, but like he's like two ten. Yeah. Something like that. So no, I'm, that's one of the, uh, he's actually a guy I was going to ask you about at one point. I just forgot to earlier because he is a very popular name because that, you know, he's one of the more famous guys for casual fans being yeah. that he played in Kansas, all that stuff. And he is that three and D archetype that the Hawks uh, seem to yeah. somewhat like. So where's the D at though? Like I actually yeah. believe in his shooting and his shooting was the big improvement this year. He was always a good athlete at Kansas. I mean, I remember when they burned his red shirt. As a freshman, they redshirted him to start his freshman year, and then Bill Self was like, "We need this kid on the floor." You don't see that much for a no. problem with Kansas's status. Uh, so I was followed his whole college career. I actually saw him live in the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite Eight, and his defense did look good there. But you just wonder, like, does his size limit his defensive versatility? Uh, I, I do think he's going to be a good shooter, though. He's pretty athletic, but I don't think he has much creation potential. Like he's not someone who I view as like, you can put him on the floor and he'll be your second best creator. Yep. So that's why I'm a little lower on him. I do think he's going to shoot it decently well enough, but like what else is he bringing in addition to that? And he is athletic, uh, but like that athleticism would be better served if it was a little bit bigger, I think, just in terms of someone who's relying on their athleticism. So yeah, he's someone who I don't love as a top 20 overall guy in this class. But, I mean, could be good for the Hawks just because the Hawks have the creator. And a lot of these guys fit better when you've already figured out your creator. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. I mean, he's not he's not a, a, a sort of uh, enthusiastic player for me to evaluate in, for the Hawks. But also a guy who I, I do buy the shooting. And that is half the battle with some of these guys. If you could just hold up defensively and shoot like he probably can. I don't know that he's an elite shooter. I've seen the word elite thrown around. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. I think he's a good right. shooter. 
Um, but you know, defensively, he's okay at minimum. I think I just don't know if he's going to change your life defensively. And you know, the Hawks kind of ironically have two guys at similar size already with Kevin Herter and Bogdanovich, who are like okay-ish defenders that can shoot and it's like kind of a similar skill set there i think what you don't want to do like you sort of got into is that is puck is plucking him in edge like your future small forward i think he's more of a more of a two in terms of size and skill set and all that stuff and i agree though with the hawks he'd be interesting enough because he doesn't have to do anything on the vault he could just kind of be the off off screen guy and we saw that even in the final four i was i was at the final four it was pretty uh pretty stark like how quick trigger he was a couple of times or he he come off the screen and it was th- that ball was up before he even got set a few times in person it was kind of stark to see that which is it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to have with in your repertoire oh yeah i mean he, that was probably the best game of his career against villanova yeah, he was firing play. in that game for sure yeah. <laughs> but even just yeah. the, just not even, not even just making it but like just the willingness to do that like be ready to shoot at the catch and it's up like it's there's no hesitation at all now the question is, what else can he do besides for provide spot up shooting? And how elite is the spot up shooting going to be? Like if yep. he's hitting forty two percent of his threes, then it's a valuable player. But if he's hitting thirty seven percent of his threes, I have a I have a comparison that I, I don't mean to be negative because again I think he's a perfectly reasonable guy in the Hawks range or a little bit after that. But like, what if he's Aaron Neesmith? You know what I mean? Like who was so, billed as who was billed as this great shooter and kind of just isn't like he had a small sample size in college and made shots and it's not a perfect it's not a perfect comp but like what if that's the because that's the problem is if he's not going to make shots like what else is there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't see Igbaji as the top twenty guy in this class. So the more we talk about it, while I do think like <laughs> you're already I there. Think the Hawks would be a good fit for him. Yeah, but would he still be the best pick for the Hawks? I would say probably not. But I'm with you know. In terms of potential landing spots, the Hawks are probably a better one for him. There you go. Uh, to end this po- end this podcast on a more positive note, do you have a favorite like deeper guy? Like maybe maybe outside of the top twenty for most people, is there, is there a favorite like sleeperish? This doesn't have to be like super super deep sleeper, but like for instance, like I know everybody's falling in love with Jalen Williams now. Both Jalen Williams actually, Arkansas and Santa Clara Jalen Williams have been yeah. uh, pop, have been rising. Uh, my my guy in this range, just to say it out loud, is uh, is Dalen Terry. Uh, I've always liked Love Dalen it. Terry quite a bit. Um, do you have anybody that's like not a top twenty pick that you uh, seem to like a lot? Yeah, I should think about. I should have an answer for this one ready to go, but instead I'm like, huh, well, now, well, now you will after the, after this podcast, you'll have one. Yeah, yeah I love Dalen <laughs> Terry. I think Dalen Terry is a really good pick for that. I also like Josh Minot. Actually, there you go. Uh, from Memphis because I feel like he has some like small ball five potential where you can use him to like trap way out on the perimeter and he's super athletic. He's pretty long. So I love his physical tools. I think that his shot is going to be really shaky and how much he's going to bring offensively is a big question mark, but potentially he could be like a pretty good wing defender and just have a lot of defensive versatility in the front court. So I kind of like him. Yeah, he's a he's a fun prospect. I know he's a sleeper. I know Matt Penny's been banging a drum on him for a long time uh, as as a guy that does some public facing draft stuff. I'm trying to think of anybody else to ask you about, but uh, I think we could probably call it. Other, oh, other than maybe, uh, I mean, you're you're sort of Illinois adjacent. Uh, do you think Co- do you think Kofi's an NBA player while we're here? No. <laughs> I really yeah, don't I, I don't know what I mean. Maybe you'll appreciate this. Maybe it's because he's just uh, he's kind of famous because he's a college player, but. For whatever reason, I get a question about Kofi Coburn, even for the Hawks or whatever, from a Hawks fan. Like every week, it's like, what about Kofi Coburn at 44? And it's like, I mean, 44, sure, I guess. But like, I'm kind of with you on this one. I just want to, I was just curious. Yeah. Uh, the internet 
meme sort of or the question that's fouled Kofi Coburn is Kofi Coburn is just big. And <laughs> the allegations of the fact that he's just big. He yeah. is quite big. He is quite big, though, to be fair to him. He's, he's quite large. He's yes. massive. Yeah. And a very good college player, of course. I also think he sort of limits Illinois' ceiling as a college team once they get in the NCAA tournament because he lacks coverage versatility, right? And that's what you need when games become more meaningful and when the matchups become more difficult. So to me, Kofi, probably not an NBA player, but I'm rooting for him. I wish, you know, a player like that, like, he should be able to get the biggest NIL bag possible. Yeah, I was actually wondering why he didn't go back again. Yeah, it should just be open bidding for him. Like whoever, give him the what was the wide receiver who went to USC? Jordan oh, Matt, yeah, from Pittsburgh. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> open bidding for Kofi Coburn and whoever drops the biggest bag should get it. Yeah, I mean, clearly, if you were drawing up the ideal NIL candidate in a lab, it's probably Drew Timmy. But after Drew Timmy, it's probably Kofi Coburn. It's like, why, why wouldn't this guy just go make a million plus dollars in college this year? Because like, he's not going to make that much money in the NBA next year. Like he's not. Yeah. Even if he gets drafted, uh, he'll probably be on a rookie minimum for like eight hundred grand, and like that's that's not bad money. But you know, yeah. probably more than that, probably more than that in college. Probably which is crazy. Yeah, um, and you know, the buzz is that Oscar Chigwe, who uh, was National Player of the Year at Kentucky, the buzz is that he got two mil to come back to college. I believe that one hundred percent. I believe that yeah. at Kentucky. You know how many Kentucky yeah. fans there are? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's uh, quite a bit of my same, same thing with uh, Armando Baycott at UNC. I'm sure he's making a lot of money as well. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I have taken a lot of your time. Ricky, thanks for all of uh, the things you shared with us. Please plug everything you got going on. I know you're, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Ricky's information on the screen. But if you're listening, where can we find your uh, work, Ricky? Yeah, you can find all my work at SBNation.com. I'll be writing about the playoffs, the draft, free agency. So you can find all my coverage there. Uh, you find me on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky. I do a Bulls podcast called Cash Considerations. And yeah, I should just have a lot more draft coverage coming up over the next month. It is draft season, and I do appreciate you coming on. Uh, we will we will talk again, I'm sure, in the near future. I'll bother you about something. But thank you for uh, doing this. Uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. Check out Ricky's work, and we'll see you next time.